we've been taking a journey today looking at healing and wholeness for the whole person so that we, as Peter said this morning, can have life in all its fullness, as Jesus has promised. And you've heard Peter and Jonathan speak about whatever the initial healing presentation, healing need that we present, we do need, sometimes by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, to look deeper, maybe a different source, a different route, or a different need. So the last part of this, our healing the whole person journey, brings us to this section titled Healing in Spirit. Now it's possible that some of you might have a question in your mind about what that title, what could it possibly mean? So first, I just need to tell you what it's not. So we're not talking about healing our human spirit. That place of spiritual connection with God where the Holy Spirit comes to reside when we accept Jesus into our lives. But that is our first and most important spiritual healing. And you've probably noticed that this section is uh, with a lowercase s, a little s, not a capital S. So it's not about the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is, of course, integral to our healing, both on showing where our healing need may be and being that vehicle of God's healing power in our lives. And just on that point, this morning before this conference started, we, all, we tend to get together for prayer. And the Holy Spirit can point us to things as we listen. And as we were listening, I heard four different words about healing needs. I'm going to say those in case they connect with anybody here, but remember the context of what we're talking about. So if I name a physical condition, and you have that physical condition, don't make the assumption although it's absolutely possible that it might be just that physical need. Don't make the assumption that God wants to do something to cure that physical need. Wait and look deeper and see whether he's calling you through that need to another healing issue. So the four words that I heard when we were praying was Crohn's disease, colitis, sad, spirit, uh, seasonal affective disorder, and anxiety, someone might be anxi- uh, anxious about going or have been for a mammogram. So I'll leave that with you, and if that connects with you, take that to the Lord in prayer, either here or perhaps later when the prayer team are offering ministry. So what, if that's what the section is not about, What is this section going to be about? So Jonathan has already touched on lots of these areas. I'm afraid I'm gonna probe around further in your innermost being, in your inner man. I think maybe you hoped that was the end of that, but no, we're going to look a bit deeper and we're gonna focus on spiritual issues. Spiritual issues that can affect our lives, things that God wants us to be free from and things that God wants us to be protected from. That connection between our spiritual life and our physical, emotional, or psychological health. As Jonathan said, we are all made in the image of God. Spiritual beings living in a spiritual realm. But 
many people in our culture, particularly in the Western culture, are unaware that we even have a spiritual realm. It's unseen, but it's as real as the physical world around us. But what makes up this spiritual realm, and is it all good? The Bible tells us, of course, about God's kingdom, the kingdom of light. But at other places, like in Colossians 1.13, the Bible tells us that our Father in heaven rescues us out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of his Son, the kingdom of light. Now we know that this dominion of darkness is not equal and opposite to the God's kingdom, but it's still operating in the world today. Until such time as Jesus returns. Jesus told, told us that the kingdom of God was at hand. His life and death and resurrection ushered in the time that we're now in, where we're bringing in the kingdom of God into our lives and into our world more and more. However, we are told in scripture that there is a ruler in this kingdom of darkness. Known by many names, prince of the world, prince of the air, Satan, the devil, the enemy. A defeated enemy, a defeated enemy through the cross, but still active in the world today, trying to stop the advancement of God's kingdom. Scripture tells us that the focus of this kingdom of darkness is only to steal, kill, and destroy. While Jesus has come, that we may have life, and life in all its fullness. So that's the reality of the spiritual battle that's going on all around us. In 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, Paul writes this, in the context of talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness of those who've hurt us, or who have offended us. He tells us that we need to forgive in order that Satan cannot outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, I'm a speech therapist by profession, so I'm drawn to words, and I notice the double negative, not unaware. And two, two uh, negatives in maths make a positive. So what Paul is actually saying here in this verse is that in the context of needing to forgive others, we need to do that in order that Satan will not outwit us, for we are aware of his schemes. When I came to make the notes of this session, I'd previously decided maybe to be a little tentative about the impact that the enemy has on our lives as followers of Jesus. However, within 10 minutes of turning on my computer, giving myself the whole day for this work, I managed to get a virus. And what was interesting in this virus, it brought this loop, this verbal loop up that kept telling me that I was going to be subject to identity theft. And also, it was going to infect me with all sorts of things. Needed to say, I panicked. But finally, got hold of my husband, who told me to touch nothing, shut the computer down, and wait till he got back. So how was I going to do this presentation? I'd given the whole day over to this. Fortunately, a while back, I'd emailed my initial notes to Peter, so he sent them across, and I managed to access them on my, my uh, work computer. Do you think this was a coincidence? It's never happened to me before like this. 
But here I was about to write a talk on dealing with spiritual issues, to lift the lid on the schemes of the enemy. No, as far as I was concerned, this was one of those schemes, however temporary, to shut me down, to silence me. To get past my software protection, infect my computer, and cause potential chaos in the process. Unfortunately for him, it had the complete opposite effect, and I got really mad. Even more determined to help expose the enemy's schemes and strategies. I wasn't about to be subject to any identity theft. No matter what that message on the computer tried to tell me, I am a child of God. My identity is hidden in Christ. In him, I live and move and have my being, to quote Acts. And in Christ, I have the victory. Now, this whole area of the enemy having schemes against us can sound a bit scary, but really it's not. Jesus defeated our spiritual enemy on the cross. He's given us the authority of his own name to declare that victory, to remind the enemy that whenever he tries to come against us, we in Jesus are the victors. But scripture also tells us we need to be on our guard in our life as Christians. We need to keep our spiritual software updated and check for any vulnerabilities. So we don't let our spiritual lives become infected with the knock-on effect that that could have on our physical, emotional, or psychological well-being. In 1, 5, in 1, Peter, verse, uh, sorry, 1 Peter 5 verse 8, Believers are told to be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. But how do we resist if we don't recognize his schemes? Do we have vulnerabilities in our spiritual protection which we're unaware of? Could we have spiritual issues in our lives that end up impacting us physically, emotionally, psychologically? So just for a minute, let's just think about physical healing. What happens when our physical protection is not working? Maybe we don't have the right antibody. Or maybe there's a wound in our protective layer, our skin. Think what would happen if you left a wound in your skin untreated, even just a small cut. If it's left untreated, the danger is that the body's natural barrier, the skin, is now not effective in that area. So this makes us vulnerable to infections through there. Dirt, maybe even little foreign bodies, can get into that wound. And if this is the case, then the wound finds it much harder to heal up effectively. Now, even if the skin closes over, if the dirt and the physical, a little foreign body are still inside, it could get worse if untreated. Of course, if it's just like a little splinter, then the immune system may be able to cope with that, but it will certainly hurt while it's healing up. But what if the wound gets bigger stuff in? Bad stuff that it really can't deal with, then it might re remain an open, infected, painful wound, 
And as it stays open, maybe more bad stuff gets in until it's covered up, sealed off, and healed. So that's physical. Can that really happen to us spiritually? Just like our bodies have a physical barrier, a physical protective layer, like the skin or maybe the lining of your nose, we have a spiritual barrier, a spiritual protective layer, and that is obedience to God's will and God's ways. When we don't act or think or speak in accordance with his will and his ways, we could potentially open ourselves up to be spiritually vulnerable, leading to possible consequences in our lives or the lives of those we speak and live with. If we don't do it God's way, we can potentially create a gap of vulnerability in our spiritual defenses. Scripture in the Old and New Testaments gives us warnings about potential consequences of not doing things God's way. We hear quite challenging scriptures, like in Mark 7, verse 2, do not judge or you too will be judged. Or earlier in Mark 6, 15, that equally, or perhaps even more challenging scripture, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. In Ephesians 4, Paul tells believers, do not let the sun go down on your anger, lest you give the enemy a foothold. Now, personally, I don't want to have any gap in my defenses that may give the enemy a spiritual foothold in my life, through which he might try to steal, kill, or destroy. Now, let's get real here. There will always be some areas of our lives as Christians that could be potentially vulnerable because not every area of our life is completely submitted to God, as Jonathan was talking about. Although we're striving to become more submitted day by day. And of course, in his mercy and love, God has provided all we need, knowing we're gonna get it wrong. That's why he sent Jesus, the only perfect man. And you know, generally speaking, our everyday spiritual disciplines are enough to clean out that wound and close it up. Disciplines like prayer, confession, taking communion, meditating on and studying scripture, and of course, obedience. The connection between our everyday spiritual disciplines and healing can be seen in scripture. In James 5, verse 16, the contemporary English translation says this. If you have sinned, you should tell each other what you've done. Then you can pray for one another and be healed. You know, it's like Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We don't need a full bath. Just getting rid of the dirt that we pick up along the way. The problem is that sometimes that dirt we pick up just doesn't rinse off. And it stays. And it can stay a long time. Then we have to be more intentional about cleaning it out. So... What can lead to these spiritual vulnerabilities, these gaps in our defenses, which could potentially leave us open to infection? 
I think of it in three areas, and Jonathan has already covered these. The two of these. The first area is obviously something we've done or not done, but not sought forgiveness from God, where we have sinned. And then actually, we've got a self-inflicted spiritual wound. The second area is something done to us, and we haven't forgiven. That is a hard, hard thing to do in lots of cases. But the truth is, it's us that gets free when we forgive those who hurt us. We think we have a hold on that person, but unforgiveness has a hold on us. And our lack of forgiveness, no matter how understandable, also goes against God's will and God's ways. And there may be this gap in our spiritual defenses. Now the third area is maybe something you've never heard of before or thought of. But sometimes past generations have done things that's never been brought to God to deal with and may even be causing that spiritual vulnerability in our family line. Maybe you see a pattern in the lives of previous generations, ways of behaving, tendencies to addiction, um, a history of frequently unexplained accidents that seems to happen along the family line. And now maybe some of those are repeating in your family. You know, there are lots of perfectly good explanations for this, but one that you might not have considered is the possibility of it being a spiritual issue, a spiritual vulnerability in your family tree. I mean, you can think about it like spiritual DNA being passed down the families. So if we go back to the physical wound idea, physically, if we have a gap, a gap, a vulnerability in our protection, this can leave us open to infection. So how does that marry with spiritual protection, spiritual issues? Are we open to spiritual dirt, spiritual foreign bodies? So let's say we created a gap in our spiritual defenses by intentionally sinning and not doing anything about it, not dealing with it and asking God to forgive us. Or maybe someone has really hurt us, and as yet, we can't forgive them. To these two things, we then may bring in more bad stuff by thinking, saying, and doing things which make it worse. More things going against God's kingdom way, and potentially giving the enemy that foothold to try and influence our lives. It's like we allow more spiritual dirt, more, spiritual, more sinful actions or wrong attitudes that actually made the original wound worse. And the combination of all this goes against God's ways and could sometimes have an impact on us physically, emotionally, or psychologically. So Jonathan has touched on with some examples of this, and I'm just gonna give you some more to think about. Let's say someone has committed adultery and they're now trying to hide it. So to their first disobedience to God's ways, they're now adding in lies and deception, more spiritual dirt. I wonder what that's doing to their stress levels. 
an ongoing impact of stress could then impact on their immune system or their blood pressure and maybe could lead to a physical illness. It may be the link is never made between the current physical symptoms and the spiritual issues. As Peter said, the physical symptoms seem to be much more pressing. Or maybe you've experienced a great trauma or a great injustice caused by somebody else's action. It's not your fault. And that leads to that struggle with unforgiveness. But then out of your hurt and pain, you hurt others by your words and your actions and your anger, piling in some more spiritual dirt in a wound that was never of your making. Or maybe you just get offended, but you don't forgive and you let it go and don't let it go. And to that original offence, you now add in bitterness, gossip, anger, more spiritual dirt piled into the wound. Can I tell you that offence is one of the enemy's best strategies for causing division, and it's one of his favourite ones to use in the church. Stirring up offence can do a lot of damage to our unity. And you know, sometimes we even do his work for him by joining in with another's feeling of offence and offer our own examples of how that person offended us too. Offence leads to divisions, and I know people who have left their churches because of offence and even lost their faith. So please, please, don't let offence take hold in your life. Catch it as soon as you feel offended. And then do what it says in Mark 11. This is the New Living Translation. When you're praying, first forgive anyone you hold a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. There's research that shows there are common characteristics which are different between those who forgive and those who don't. And for those who hold on to unforgiveness, we've got things like increased anxiety, increased of heart disease, less resistance to physical illness, even increase in levels of depression. And in fact, in certain cancer treatment centers in America, they've actually got an optional forgiveness program that goes alongside the traditional treat medical treatment for cancer. With many patients citing that the key turning point to recovering from their physical illness was when they forgave. Okay, I'm gonna give you a very personal, trivial item because examples are always helpful. So when I started to become aware of these things several years ago, God challenged me about a very simple area of my life. Now, in our house, I tended to do the washing up, the drying up, and the putting away. Okay, we're not gonna get into equality issues. I was generally okay with this-ish. Except, when I had to go out, and when I'd come back, the chaos was still there. Now, none of you have that problem, do you, ladies, gentlemen? So, when I arrived back to the human side of me, the broken, fallen side of me would go into action. So I would get on with the clearing up, 
but I would crash about making it really obvious to everybody in the house what I was doing. But in my mind, I would be piling on negative, critical, judgmental, bitter thoughts, resentful thoughts. They'd go round and round in my head, leading to really negative, resentful emotions, far in excess of my original offence when I walked in the door. But as a good Christian, I would forgive. I'd be so noble and not say anything to my husband when I finished and joined him in front of the television in the sitting room. Okay, very noble, but completely useless. Since inside me, I was awash with the dirt that I'd piled into that original feeling of offense. And all this dirt would come out as I responded to anything that was asked of me from that point in. Woe betide anyone that asked me for a nice cup of tea. However, one day I applied what I'd been learning about spirit, the spiritual battle we're in. In particular, that scripture from Ephesians about not letting the sun go down on your anger, lest you give the enemy a foothold. So I knew that I should choose to forgive. But there was more. Now I needed to come against those additional negative emotions, the adding of more spiritual dirt, and tell the enemy he was not going to have a foothold in my life through those. So, yes, I chose to forgive. And I could feel the usual feelings building up as I came home to the mess. But instead of dwelling on those feelings, I came against the enemy and I renounced them in the name of Jesus and told the enemy to go away and leave me alone. Immediately, and I mean immediately, the negative emotion stopped and I was at peace. I didn't have to calm myself down. I was completely calm. The combination of bending my will to forgive and refusing to cooperate with the kingdom of darkness through bitterness and critical reactions was so powerful. So I did it again and again over the next few weeks until I only had to say, no, in Jesus' name, I am not going down that road and the negative reactions stopped before they started. James 4.7 tells us that when we submit to God, forgive, and resist the enemy, he has to flee. Funnily enough, it's true. Now, maybe you don't have a washing up issue. It is quite trivial. But sometimes the Lord uses the little things in our life to teach us big lessons. Maybe there are more serious areas of offense or hurt in your life that has caused that wound in your spiritual defenses. And without realizing it, you have just been stuffing in more spiritual dirt, keeping that wound open, causing you even more pain. When the heart hurt is great, the idea of forgiving is really hard. So don't feel condemned by this. But at some point in your journey to healing, you will need to begin that journey, taking the path to forgiveness. And maybe it's today. Maybe the Lord will show you all the stuff that you've piled in, the negative emotions, the negative thoughts, and help you clean some out. Or maybe he will take you 
to the root, the original source, and ask you to start to forgive, to take the first step. Forgiveness is not a one-off event. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. Now, let's mention a few other things that can make you spiritually vulnerable, and you may not even notice they're there. Jonathan has touched on some of these, but I'm going to dig a bit more, just in case you haven't got it. Where else could you get a foothold in our lives? As I once heard a preacher say, where can Satan set you up to get you upset? The first one I want to talk about is negative self-talk. Do you ever catch yourself thinking or saying some of the things like Jonathan mentioned? I used to say, oh, Alison, you're so stupid, when I did something daft. I don't say that now. Or maybe there's something that was said over and over you when you were younger, and now you're saying it about yourself. I'm useless. I always get it wrong. Nothing good ever happens to me. I'm no good. God's words have power. After all, he created the world when he spoke. And we as spiritual beings, our words can have spiritual power. The Bible tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue. It tells us to speak blessings and not curses. So I'm going to challenge you today, if the Holy Spirit hasn't already challenged you in this area, to recognize and to start to resist those negative words that you think or say about yourself. After all, it's not what God says about you. Does he say you're useless? Does he say you're stupid? Does he tell you nothing ever good ever happened will happen to you? No. In the Bible, he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says he delights over you with singing. He says you're his precious child, and he tells you, that his plans are to give you a hope and a future. So in letting these negative thoughts go through your head unchecked that do not line up with his truth, whose truth are you agreeing with? The Bible tells us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, to get hold of those thoughts and make them agree with him, the word. So in the same way that I learned to get hold of the negative and emotions and thoughts about the washing up and then resist them in Jesus' name, we can do the same thing with self-talk, negative self-talk. First, we need to submit to God. And that just means agreeing with what he says about us, which is the truth. So refuse to agree with those negative words. Instead, maybe find a scripture or ask the Lord to show you a scripture that counteracts it that tells you what God says about you. And say that to yourself, even saying it out loud. Yeah, faith comes through by hearing. So whenever those negative thoughts go through your mind or come out your mouth, replace them not with good words, but with God's words. You might say, I'm not worth it. When that thought comes, just counteract out loud with, but God says I'm precious in his sight. You might find yourself saying, as Jonathan alluded to earlier, I'm just made this way. Never change. I'm just, I've just got a temper. Try countering this and say, ah, oh, but God says I'm a new creation. 
By doing this, you're submitting to God's truth. You're holding up that shield of faith that Paul describes in Ephesians when he's talking about our armor, our protection. And you're fighting back with the word of God. This is part of what it says in Ephesians 6 when it talks about the armor. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. And it goes on to tell us to take up the sword of truth, which is the word of God. So putting our faith in what God says about us, declaring that instead of the negative words, we're actually fending off the fiery darts of the evil one. A similar area is to ask God today to remind you if you've ever made a vow out of anger or of pain. Maybe you've been really hurt and you've made this inner vow, which at the time you wholeheartedly meant. Things like, as Jonathan said, I'll never let anyone into how I truly feel about myself again. I'll never let a man touch me again. Or I'll never let someone have control in my life again. You may well have completely forgotten that you ever said this, but it could have some spiritual power in your life. In biblical terms, you might call it a curse, something you've spoken over your life, but you haven't asked God to break it. Do you know another strategy of the enemy can be that he can take those words and he can keep you to it? What if you did vow to never let anybody control, be in control in your life again? Now you're a Christian, but you struggle with giving those areas of your life over to God because you have this deep need to be in complete control. And of course, part of that need can be deeply rooted in your natural emotional responses to hurts and pains. But if you did make a vow like that, there could be a spiritual component for that need for control. So if the Holy Spirit reminds you of anything like that today, the good news is it's so simple to break. You just ask God to forgive you for saying it, simply declare it's not true, other words, renounce it, and in Jesus' name, just ask God to break any power that may be attached to it. The last area we need to look at is probably the most obvious one when we think about spiritual issues, the occult. Have you ever been involved in the occult? even of a bit of fun, played with a Ouija board, perhaps tried out a few spells on the internet, been to a meeting where messages were being brought from the departed. You know, anything that shows that you're seeking to get guidance or help from spiritual sources other than God can make you spiritually vulnerable. Okay, I'm gonna throw it out there. Even, dare I say, checking your horoscope every day. If you've ever done anything connected with the occult, you may have made yourself vulnerable to a more direct influence of the kingdom of darkness, or as scriptures call them, evil spirits. Now this can be just like a little splinter, a little foreign body, just irritating, but not life-threatening. But you may not know that the, the physical, emotional, and psychological symptoms you're experiencing, could some of that be connected with an evil spirit. Now look, we're not talking about being possessed here. You are a child of God. 
Only he can own you, possess you completely. But there is a warning in the Bible about evil spirits. And there's a reason why he's forbidden us to have nothing to do with the occult. He's told us that he wants us to stop the enemy influencing other people's lives and ours. Now, you don't have to worry about these evil spirits. You know, where are they? It can be in the wound, it can be lying on the top, just irritating it. It really doesn't matter about location. The issue is, if it's there, you need to get rid of it. Now, this is sounding a bit heavy. You're all looking far less cheery than about 10 minutes ago. There's not a lot of smiling. But the good news is that we are on the winning side. So there is no need for fear. Through the cross, we've been given everything we need to get free, to clean out the spiritual wounds and to close them and tell the enemy he has to leave us alone. And we've talked about the spiritual tools that he's been given us through the cross. Repentance, turning away from your own sin, forgiving others, letting go of that spiritual hold and getting free yourself, and renouncing the stuff that doesn't line up with God's thinking and God's ways, and just saying, no, in Jesus' name, it stops here. And of course, as Christians, we also have the authority of the name of Jesus. And we have the power of the cleansing blood of the Lamb. And of course, we have the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. So in and through Jesus, we have everything we need to deal with these spiritual issues, if we recognize they're there. And in dealing with them, we may find healing in our bodies and our hearts and our minds. So, we're now going to have another time of ministry, giving God the opportunity to show us any spiritual vulnerabilities we have, any spiritual wounds that need healing, and maybe any spiritual dirt or foreign bodies that need to be got rid of. Now, throughout this day, it may be that the Holy Spirit's already been nudging you in an area in your life, and you may have already dealt with it. You don't have to revisit that. It may be that the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you and showing you stuff, and you've been avoiding it. So now's the time to submit and resist. Not resist the Holy Spirit, but resist the enemy. Remember, the Holy Spirit will never make you feel condemned. He's only showing you these things today because he wants you to be healed and be free. So in the prayer time, I will go through each of these areas, giving you time to do that business to choose the road to forgive, to admit you need to repent, or renounce a pattern of behavior or thinking that has come into your life. And I'll also say a prayer to break any power of the influence of the kingdom of darkness that may have tried to come against you. But it's only a short time. So after I've finished, we're gonna have a time of worship, and then we're going to go into the healing service, and there'll be time for prayer, and also time for you to come forward for anointing, which is a very powerful weapon in healing, and also go perhaps to spend some more time with members of the prayer team. But first, I need to have a word with anybody here who has not invited Jesus into their life yet. You have heard the power and the love and the victory that God has given us in Jesus but maybe you haven't been taken out 
of the dominion of darkness and put into the kingdom of light. So today could be your day to find a new life, a new hope, a new freedom that you didn't imagine was possible, and it is so easy. Jesus made the way of dying on the cross, and all we have to do is say thank you, sorry, please. I'm very British. So thank you, thank you for dying on the cross. I'm sorry. Sorry for the stuff that I've done that didn't line up with your ways. Please, by your Holy Spirit, come into my life. So if you'll just bear with me if you've already, take, if you've already done this step, and we're just gonna have a short time when those, there may be just one person here, that this is your time, that God's calling you to take this step. So I'm going to ask you all to be quiet and bow your heads, and I will say the prayer, but if you want to take this opportunity, then in your heart, just say this prayer with me. And when we get to the sorry bit, I'll leave a little pause in case there's anything particular that you just want to hand over to God. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for my sins. And I'm sorry that I haven't lived my life your way. And I'm going to give you these things now. Father God, I ask you to forgive me now and wash me clean and I receive that forgiveness. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and remove from my life any influence of the kingdom of darkness. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you did pray that prayer, it would be quite good if you shared it with someone, maybe someone you've come with, someone uh, that you knew would understand, or maybe even share it with one of the ministry team or the prayer team today. So now we're going to go into a time of prayer for us all. Now, I'm just going to say this because it is possible that the enemy is stirring some people up here and you're starting, or have you already started to feel fearful or dread or a desperate need to get out of here? Can I tell you that that is a strategy of the enemy to get you out of the place where healing can be, be yours in God? So this is another chance to submit and resist Tell the Lord that you trust him, whatever he wants to do in your life. And resist those negative feelings, declaring that Jesus will give you the strength. After all, he's perfect love, and perfect love casts out fear. So should we do business with God? So it's quite possible that some of these prayers won't apply to you, so you don't have to pray them. For example, when I start talking about forgiveness, uh, repentance, if there is nothing that comes to mind, please don't go digging around looking for stuff. The Holy Spirit can point it out quite well by himself. So if these don't apply to you, can I ask you to do something? Could you just lift the people around you above in prayer and ask God to bless them? So, let's pray. Father, we come now to ask you to show us where we may have vulnerabilities, gaps in our spiritual defenses 
knowing that you're showing these us to us because you want to cleanse and heal and close the gap. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you first bring our, to our minds anything that we need to ask the Father to forgive us for? Something we've said or thought or done. And then we will ask him to forgive us. Father, thank you that through Jesus we are forgiven when we confess our sins and we receive that now. Declaring the truth that we're going to turn away from these things and choose to live according to your ways from now on. Amen. So the next prayer. Holy Spirit, Please bring to our minds anybody that we need to forgive and show us where we've piled other spiritual dirt in, other ways of wrong thinking or wrong speaking about that person. Father, we're sorry for those wrong attitudes and thoughts that we let in because we did not forgive. Please help us to catch ourselves from now on with those negative thoughts and attitudes when they come up about that person or situation. And help us to choose not to agree with them since they're not your way. Help us now to make the choice, no matter how we feel, to let go of unforgiveness and hand over that person or situation to you. Father, would you give us the courage to take that step every time thoughts of unforgiveness crop up. And we now choose the path of forgiving today, no matter how long it takes. Amen. Now, one area of forgiveness that we too often leave out is the one of forgiving ourselves. We can carry guilt and shame for things we did in the past, which God forgave us for the first time we asked. Now, I know this is an area that the enemy wants to keep hidden in our lives because when I tried to write this prayer, I got pop-ups coming up all over my computer and the mouse wouldn't move. So there, is, there are definitely people here today who are holding on to unforgiveness, not of others, but of themselves, or even of God. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you now show us if we need to forgive ourselves? Do we need to just let go of guilt and shame for things that we've done in the past that are already forgiven?
So we pray. In the name of Jesus, I choose to forgive myself. And I now let go of the guilt and shame that I have been carrying. I put it down now. I don't pick it up and I walk away. And with two free hands, I now receive all the good things that you want me to have instead. Amen. So we're going to think now about our family lines. You may never have thought about this before, but we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to our mind if there is anything in past generations that is still having a spiritual impact on us now. Holy Spirit, please bring to my mind anything that might still be in my family line from past generations. I now choose to forgive past generations for bringing this into my family line and Father, would you forgive them too? And I now renounce it in the name of Jesus. And I say it stops here and now. Amen. So, we're going to go and think about self-talk. Negative self-talk. And as I say this prayer, I'm going to leave a gap. If you've said these words over your life... You need to say the same words when you renounce it, as far as you can. So I'll leave a gap, and you just fill in the gap with the words that you may have been saying over your life, not having any idea they might be having an impact. So, Holy Spirit, please now bring to our minds any negative words that I may have been saying or thinking about myself. Father, please forgive me for saying the following negative words about myself. I'm sorry that I keep thinking or saying. I now declare that this is not true. It's not what you say about me. And in the name of Jesus, I renounce these words. And please show me in the coming days passages in the Bible that reveal what you say about me. And help me when these words come up to resist and replace them, not with good words, but with God's word. Amen. You're doing very well. We're nearly there. We're now going to deal with any inner vows. Again, if it's you then just fill in the words in the gap when I get to that part of the prayer and just agree with the rest of the prayer in your heart. So, Holy Spirit, please would you bring to our minds any inner vows that we might have made and even forgotten that has power in our lives.
Father, please forgive me for saying these words, for making this vow. The one that said, I no longer agree with this vow and now renounce those words. And in the name of Jesus, I declare that, declare that any power of that vow is now broken completely. Amen. Last one, the occult. Again, just fill in, the, fill in the words that fit your involvement with the occult and just agree with the rest of the words in your heart. Holy Spirit, please bring to our minds any times in our lives where we've got involved with anything of the occult, however unintentionally. Father, please now forgive me for the occult involvement and I name it to you now. In the name of Jesus, I renounce all involvement with this. And I choose to get rid of anything at home that I may have that is linked with it. From now on, I choose only things of your kingdom. And in the name of Jesus, break off my life any power of the kingdom of darkness that may have come in because of what I took part in. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm gonna pray one final prayer, and then we're going to worship. So, let us pray. <clears throat> in the name of Jesus, I speak to anything here that is not part of the kingdom of light and I take authority over it now. And in the name of Jesus, I break off any power of the kingdom of darkness that has come in through vows and negative words, broken now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over every influence of the kingdom of darkness over God's people here. And I say, you have no right to come against the children of God. So quietly, and with no fuss, I command you to let God's people go right now. In the name of Jesus, let God's people go. Holy Spirit, come now. Fill those places that were vulnerable. Fill those places that were wounded. Bring your freedom, your healing, in body, heart, mind, and spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Minister to your children.
we bring all these prayers to you, Father, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen.